The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, Chris Bills joins us to discuss our terrible loss to the LA Galaxy, and we'll also discuss some of his recent work for the Striker Texas. We also have a very special interview with Trevor Blow, who is Poyo FC's dad. My name's Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And in researching this show, I've learned Trevor's last name. I didn't you didn't know it before? I just knew he was Trevor. He was Trevor <laughs> Polio's dad. I didn't actually know what his last name was until today. Uh, all right. So to start the the show off on a, on a low note, I suppose, um, we just want to send out uh, love to all the folks in, in Uvalde who are suffering after the terrible events last week. Um, Los Verdes launched a fundraiser. Uh, they've now reached up to $225,000, which is amazing. Um, we want to thank all of the national media who are pushing that out. I know on Extra Time, on uh, the MLS Today, Twitter Spaces, on uh, Allocation Disorder, on several um, MLS posts on the J. Sam Jones's newsletter, all these places were pushing this out and, and trying to get out the word for this fundraiser that's going to a really excellent cause. That is still open. If anybody wants to uh, give some money to that, we'll put a link in the show notes and you can also find it all over Los Verdes uh, social media stuff. But yeah, give some money to that if you can. Then you know the, the teams like the uh, Austin and LA this week both had the patches uh, with the... Oh yeah, that was a thing nice touch. And then I think the clubs are all raising money um, in some way. At least the Texas-based clubs are raising money in some way for the cause too. And I think they're all going. I think it's all going to basically direct assistance for those affected, which is the most meaningful way that you can provide funds at this time. Right. Yeah. There's lots of other stuff needs to needs to change in society to keep this from happening again. But now that we're here, this is a way that we can help. Um, all right, so I, sorry to bring you in on this note, Chris, but we're no, it's, I also, mean, it, also joined today by Chris Bills. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks, Landon. And I mean, we all we all live in this world, right? And I, I know I've been tweeting a lot of you know thoughts, and every time one of these incidents happens, it just it drives you kind of crazy. But it's also really nice to see a community that, that we're a part of in the Austin FC, you know, supporters, the soccer community, you know, kind of where it seems like so much focus gets put away in, in other areas. I think that it's really heartening to see Los Verdes and a lot of other groups, you know, show love and, and, you know, do, you know, kind of quickly respond in the ways that, uh, you know, I wish that a lot of people in leadership would. And, and I, I think that, you know, it's really, really heartening to be a part of this community. And I just kind of want to put that message out to, to everybody that's going to kind of, kind of wondering what can I do is like, you guys have, have really stepped up in this moment and it's it's really it's really good to see and i think it's a really good example um to the community as a, at large so anyway that's just my my two cents on that all right well let's jump into uh the work you've been doing over at the striker texas you've been cranking them out the last couple of weeks and some really really big ones for the most part so let's start with the update on the cecilio dominguez situation so tell us about this most recent uh, this most recent article you released. Yeah, this has been something that was several weeks in the works. Uh, you know, when, when Cecilio Dominguez was reinstated, I think the, you know, 
through the reporting that we had done, and I think you know some things that even the supporters had been starting to point out about this 2016 uh, incident involving him and a, and a charge for domestic domestic violence. Uh, you know, several different incidents in Paraguay that led to a charge in a, in a criminal case um, that was reported on pretty extensively in Paraguay. I, I think the the obvious question that you know I asked, I was asking the club and MLS was you know, what was known about that when, when Cecilia Dominguez was signed as, and, and not just signed for Austin SC, I think that the important thing here is that, that he was signed as the second ever player for the club and, and the first designated player, really a marquee signing, really a piece that Austin FC was building around. And if you remember back and you know, I, I shared one of these quotes uh, from Claudia Arena in the piece that, that, um, that ran on, what was that? Tuesday, Wednesday, I think Wednesday. Um, on the striker Texas that you know, was from August of 2020 when Austin FC signed Cecilia Dominguez. And I was sort of asking, you know, Claudio about some of the things that were coming out from, you know, fans and journalists in, in Argentina and, and Mexico, even from his time at Club America that were kind of questioning his dedication to the sport. And, um, you know, Claudio was pretty adamant that this is a guy who's coming here to, you know, to be not just a, Good piece on the field but a character uh, you know good character uh, that they felt really positive about and even went so far as to say the phrase we found no red flags which you know as we know now um through the reporting and you know i, I you know i'll be completely upfront and honest i did a lot of googling on cecilia dominguez back in 2020 and, and none of this stuff came came to to my awareness either and so you know, through asking questions, MLS was, you know, kind of coy and didn't want to respond to that, that question. Austin FC was kind of directing questions to MLS. And finally, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of get some folks, um, some sources to sort of confirm, hey, you no, know, we didn't know that the Cecilia Dominguez had this in his past. Um, and I think that, you know, on one hand, you can be sort of cynical and, and say, of course, they would say that, you know, it's sort of a bit of a, you know, a it's 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 it maybe sounds a little bit better or or worse it depends on on your your kind of vantage point there but i think what i've come to believe through the people that i've talked to in the long conversations that i've had over the last three four weeks is that i you know i, I kind of believe that that's the case that they missed this in the, the background check they missed this as they were signing one of their marquee players um and of course you know he comes to town um, you know, you can think what you want on, you know, on the field of whether Sid Megas has fit the bill as a designated player. I, I think that's a debate that's been, that's come up long before any of this other stuff, but. Yeah. Go back to one of your earlier points, just to say like, you, there's like two options. Either they knew about it and chose to ignore that red flag, or they didn't know about it, which I'd say is like, yeah, that's great that they didn't willingly hire a guy with that in his background but the alternative is like kind of a, a like dereliction of duties in their background searching there like that they didn't find it when it's it was like yeah you said you said you did some googling if you just search his name a lot of stuff doesn't come up I think in in hindsight you can say like if you search Cecilia Dominguez domestic violence or search his partner's name or things like that like that stuff does come up like pretty easily findable at this point but um yeah i don't know it's but you 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 believe that that was the case that they just it, it just never came up in their 
in their investigation? I do. And I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, this falls under the purview of, of Claudio Reyna, right? Um, you know, when he's bringing players, um, you know, that they've scouted uh, to the organization. And, you know, one thing that I think the, the club and the league have pointed out is that, you know, they went back even now and tried to, you know, sort of find the official records of, of this case in, in 2016. And, and, you know, there's nothing to be found as far as, you know, those official statements and things. And, you know, I've talked to some, some Paraguayan legal experts on, on why that might be, you know, there's theories or not theories. I, I think it's something that's been brought up to me is that in is recently in 2016 and even now some there's some some cases that are only on paper and so you know it's very possible that you know either that those those records were thrown out at some point or burned or um just moved to a different office and so um you know that could be a reason why they weren't on there but you know there is substantial news reporting around around these things but again you know if you're not aware you're not aware and you know i kind of wonder if maybe some people have been sort of protecting Cecilio uh, for one reason or another, right? Like, I think the culture around these things maybe is a little bit different in South America as well, you know, with a guy who, you know, was cleared of, of this, or at least, you know, wasn't charged or wasn't, he was charged, but he wasn't uh, convicted. Um, and that couple, you know, got back together. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can read into it what, what you, you want to, as far as that goes just in that incident, but then when another incident happens, I think that's when it becomes okay. This is this is something that you know is is very serious. Should you know should have been taking more taken more seriously when when they signed him, um, but you know they they didn't know, and uh, now here we are, I guess six years after that incident, and Austin FC has to sort of figure out how they're going to handle this they can't punish him further of course um you know and there's the question of whether they might try to sell him this summer um there's a question of you know when we will see him on the field if if we will see him on the field for austin fc i don't have necessarily answers to those questions josh wolf continues to you know and he continue, continues to be in training he was very much part of training last week when i was out there so we'll see if maybe he plays in this pachuca match if he plays you know against montreal and in you know later on in june and and if he doesn't play in those two matches i think you you kind of have to sort of wonder if if maybe they are trying to um move him on and and you know sort of move on from the situation as a whole but you know we'll find out more in the you know, coming weeks but i think it was important um to me to get this story out now sort of put out some of the details you know from those 2016 reports that were in spanish and, and sort of give people the background of of you know the history here and also um you know being able to share what we know now which is you know what i believe to be the truth truth which is that austin fc and mls just completely missed on that background um when they signed him and and so that's kind of where we are yeah so it, it sounds like Maybe they didn't search uh, Cecilio Dominguez plus domestic violence in a Google search, but I bet I would bet a lot of money that for any future signings that they are doing <laughs> that Google search. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting to think about you know the search engines, and but I mean that's that's kind of what you have to do. You have to you have to you know know those things, and um, I think it's it's a good lesson to everybody involved, including the fans and including us journalists. Um, that you know maybe dig a little deeper on everybody that the club brings in because you just you just never know all right another another thing we wanted to touch on was an interview that you did with alex ring recently which i believe this piece is not out yet correct 
Yeah, I'm hoping to have it out later uh, this week. So, um, you know, as we kind of get into the international break, but had a chance to catch up with Alex Ring yesterday after the match. You know, of course, was asking him about sort of what what went wrong against LA Galaxy, Galaxy, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But also just kind of wanted to get his thoughts on, you know, the the sort of things that have been talked about with, you know, him moving it further up the field. I'll share some of those thoughts, but also... Um, I just kind of threw out there, you know, what are you doing over the international break? And he offered up that he's going back to Finland for what he said is the first time visiting family for an extended period. Uh, he said he'll be there for a week uh, since he moved to MLS in 2017. So um, five years uh, that he's been in, in the U.S. and has never you know, spent a full week at home, certainly not in the summer months, which I, I assume is probably the time you want to be in Finland. But the reason for that is, um, you know, I think we saw a social media post a while back. It was his grandfather, Helga Ring, um, who passed away. He was 78 years old. Uh, and I think Alex Ring, you know, he, he kind of opened up to me about how hard he took that and, and being away from family during a time like that. And they actually put the funeral on hold um, for over two months now so so that he could be there and he's going to be there with his father. Um, they've got a place where they want to spread the ashes. And, um, you know, he shared quite a bit as far as, you know, how that has maybe, you know, affected his, his you know, just his focus over the last, last couple of months. And, it's, you know, it's worth wondering where, whether we might see a better version of Alex Ring, um, you know, being able to sort of have that experience going back home and, and being able to go through that grieving process with the people that he's closest to, uh, because it sounds like, uh, it sounds like Helga Ring was really, uh, you know, just uh, an all around male figure in the, in the Ring household. It's very similar to what we've seen of, of Captain Ring, the uh, kind of stoic and, you know, kind of the, kind of the hard ass that, that Alex Ring is, is uh, it sounds like that comes from, from his grandfather. So uh, definitely a special relationship there. And I'm glad Alex Ring shared, shared a bit of that because I think fans will be, um, you know, really, I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we haven't been able to necessarily get a ton of with this club, but now having locker room access, having more access to speak one-on-one -on -one with these players, um, and I'm able to share that story on the Striker Texas. So look for that later this week. Okay, so this has kind of been a down opening to this show, I think, to say yeah. the least. And we're, we're going to talk about the game, and that's going to be uh, kind of down, too. I don't want to spoil that for anybody who maybe didn't watch and didn't know about it. So let's talk about Owen Wolf making the U.S. Uh, give me, yeah, give me something happy to talk yeah, about. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You know, for a moment. And then, yeah, and then we'll get into the Galaxy match. Ah, uh, yeah, Owen Wolf has been uh, what a month for that kid, huh? And when we talk about May of 2022 for Austin FC, I think there's going to be you know the Danny Pereira red card. You know, four points out of. 15 and, and sort of falling a little bit back to earth after the hot start. Uh, but for Owen Wolf and, and his life, I, I think it's, uh, you know, one of the questions I asked him, I'll have a chance to, to share this, I think at some point as well um, on the striker Texas, but I just sort of asked him like what it's meant to him to not just get that opportunity to start against LAFC. Of course he had the, almost had two, those two assists in the RSL match then started against LAFC, started against Orlando, um, started in LA. And, you know, as a 17-year-old as a kid, you could very easily get that first opportunity. And I don't know, I, I've gotten lots of, uh, you know, privileged opportunities as a teenager that maybe didn't go so well, or, you know, you kind of have an awkward moment. You're like, oh, crap, maybe I'm not ready for this. And, and Owen Wolf seems to, be, seems to be ready for this. And he seems to be, you know, a starting caliber player for Austin FC right out of the gates. And uh, he's definitely a starting caliber 
interview. I'll tell you that much. He's he's definitely learned from dad of how to uh, how to handle how to handle the media. I tried to get him. Uh, I tried to get him to to kind of clap back at at uh, his dad for uh, you know kind of throwing him under the bus with the, the back hair comment. Uh, he saw that the, the Teen Wolf thing. Uh, Josh yeah. Wolf has really appreciated the Teen Wolf nickname, and it makes him think of uh, apparently Harry baby Owen Owen Wolf <laughs> Owen Wolf wasn't having any of it he's like I don't know I don't I don't remember much from that time and <laughs> just kind of laughed it off but that the like the hype video that the club put out after the LAFC game when uh Alex Ring gave Owen the match ball and he's they were telling him to give a speech and he just gave like the most coach answer ever and I was like oh my god he's such a coach's kid but yeah I it you like you see it on and off the field right they're like like technically does everything exactly right, like positionally pretty pretty aware. And then like that kind of speech after the captain gives you the match ball, it's like, yeah, you've been in this your whole life, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, and I, I think we'll see it start to see him open up a little bit. It's not, I think he's like, I've covered high school kids, you know, most of my, uh, you know, journal, you know, my sports writing career. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you get, you come across high school kids that are maybe like a little shy and they give you those types of answers. Josh Wolf's or Owen Wolf's, Owen Wolf's not shy and he's definitely confident, but he, <laughs> he just knows like, he just knows what you're supposed to say and what you're not supposed to say. And yeah. he's very coached, uh, very, very coachable with the media. It's, it's kind of fun. To, it's kind of fun to watch I actually kind of quite enjoy it because I feel like sometimes I'm just talking to, to, to Josh, uh, you know, by proxy or something. It's, it's very, it's very, uh, very strange. So this camp is going to be, uh, in Spain, actually, they're going to be playing friendlies against England and Norway. So, some really good international experience for Owen there. This group, this, these competitions won't necessarily mean anything, but it kind of seems like this group is being evaluated for the CONCACAF U20 championships this summer, which if they qualify out of that, they would then go to the U20 World Cup in 2023. So if Owen can go and show out in these games, then he's got a chance to play in some some really big, important competitions for the youth national team. So this this is a big opportunity for him. And one thing that I think maybe got lost in all that is that Owen Wolf's never been in a U.S. youth national team camp, which you'd think maybe, you know, with as much as he's been around it, as much as he's been part of the academies in Columbus and Atlanta, uh, and, you know, that just his dad was an assistant coach in the U.S. soccer program. You'd think that maybe he would have gotten a shot. His older brother, Tyler, has definitely been in youth national teams coming up. But it, I just think it's very similar to the way, the way he's broken in with Austin FC is that he's had to earn every single bit of this. Uh, and I think that's where you're starting to see, you know, him kind of come out of his shell and really grasp onto these opportunities because he's sort of he's not the little brother, but he, he is a younger brother to Tyler. And it seems like he's he maybe feels like he's been. I, I, I haven't heard him say this, but you know, you could see that maybe he, he maybe feels like he's been a little bit overlooked in the Wolf family and here's this opportunity to show out and he's, man, he's balling uh, that the assist that he had against LA Galaxy, I think really showed that um, he's, he's up to this level and not just mentally and not just skill wise, but physically uh, you know, his ability to duel and he went up against Derek Williams, which is, you know, not a small guy, at LA galaxy center back. And uh, it's been really impressive to watch. Yeah. It's, I, there were a lot of people crying nepotism whenever he mm -hmm. got that homegrown contract. Uh, also a lot of people not understanding what an MLS homegrown contract is, which <laughs> fair enough, like MLS rules are confusing, but I, I think like, Owen hadn't been in town for that long. And so I had gone out and seen him play with the U17s 
a couple of times and I was like, I think he's good. Like, I think he's really good. But I like, I don't know. You don't know. He's playing against other little mm-hmm. kids. Who's like, he's slightly older than most of those guys too. But, um, but yeah, it seems like the the Owen haters are all shutting up now, <laughs> disappeared, <laughs> or becoming yeah. Owen lovers. That's the fun yeah. fun thing about. That. I think that's yeah, that's the fun thing about sports fandom. But uh, I, I want to. I almost said this fan base, but I think it's every fan base, right? Like, you can be on whatever side you want to be on a given day. As long as you got a Twitter account and uh, fingers that are in good working order. <laughs> or two Twitter accounts. <laughs> that too. <laughs> All right. Let's let's uh, let's jump into the LA Galaxy review. So Austin FC loses 4-1 to one against the Galaxy on Sunday afternoon. Uh, this was a, a well-earned loss by Austin FC. I think the they played pretty sloppily. I you struggle to think of individual players who had a strong game and there just seemed to not really be any sense of urgency at moments on either side of the ball in, in several defensive moments, but then moving the ball after we go down a goal as well. There's just, they just seemed slow and like mentally and physically slow. And I just, yeah. Is, is that what you saw, Chris? Yeah, and the the thing that initially stood out to me because I was talking to Mike Gray, who who uh, runs El Trafico, the the LA Galaxy site, um, and I was talking to him before the game just about uh, the lineup and the fact that Kevin Cabral and uh, uh, Grandseer were both were, were both starting on the wings, and he said that you know to him that's when LA Galaxy's looked the most dynamic they have all season. Uh, they they haven't scored a ton of goals, uh, a lot of one nils, a lot of one ones, and boom, right immediately out of the gate, uh, there goes Kevin Cabral, uh, you know, down the wing, and John, John Kolmanich is sort of a little bit out of position. And also just like physically, I think that he got kind of put through the ringer against some guys that are, are very athletic and some of the more dynamic attackers uh, in this league, maybe haven't always shown it on a game-in, game-out basis, but Kevin Cabral had a really nice game uh, and, you know, kind of put John Kolmanich on his heels uh, early and often, I would say. Yeah, I think uh, who was it? Kevin Morris said last night that he could what didn't gonna wasn't gonna have the chance to rewatch the game, and he was happy that Moon Tower Soccer could do it for him. And this game reminded me of like so many times last year when it's like, oh man, I really do not want to have to watch this carnage again. But um, but I did. But I told you guys before we started recording, I just watched like the worst thirty minutes of soccer that Austin FC has played ever, which was like four minutes past the Diego goal until the end of the match, and it was just as bad the second time around as it was the first time. Yeah, it seems like after that point, they not only were slow and sluggish, but like didn't care very much after a little while as well. Like, I think after the third goal, like the fourth one was, was like unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a bicycle kick assist is going to look bad uh, <laughs> no matter how you slice it uh, when you're, when you're looking at it through, through red glasses. But I, you know, I think. Whereas this team, I think it, or last year's team, I think you started to see, you know, signs of them giving up late in matches in games like this. I think that it was more just fatigue. It was a very high paced game. I think that, um, you know, when we talk about fatigue, I think that a lot of fans have a tendency to think about like fatigue that generates over a season. And I think in this game, just like the fullbacks got tired. Like they were for an hour having to deal with, 
Grancier and Efrain Alvarez came on at halftime. Jovel, uh, Jovel, I think. Jovelich, yeah. Jovelich came on and, and, you know, he played really well and sort of overwhelmed again, that right side, uh, you know, Austin FC's left was, was definitely a problem spot. And, you know, another thing that, you know, I put in my, my recap that I don't know if, if uh, I didn't catch it during the match, but uh, Josh Wolf was, was kind of on it. He didn't want to make it an excuse, but they were trying to get those subs in before the goal kick. So, Chicharito obviously scores the first goal, the equalizer in 61. And, you know, I know you're going to go through, uh, so maybe we should just get to this later. But they were trying to get the subs um, in, which would have been both fullbacks and Owen Wolf coming off for Ethan Finley. Um, and so Brad Stuber plays the goal kick long when they wanted they, – they, it was a stoppage of play. They thought they could get him in. And then, you know, LA Galaxy just easily wins the ball and goes down the flank, and both fullbacks are kind of at fault on that play seconds before they're about to come off the field. And you just wonder if maybe they just sort of relaxed and sort of took the focus off of the match for just that second. And then, you know, Nick Lima and John Gallagher didn't make much of a difference once they came on, but it was already sort of two, one. And you kind of knew which way the, the game was, was headed at that point. So I thought that was kind of, kind of interesting. It wasn't a game decider necessarily, but it was a play that, you know, made a big difference in the game that, you know, maybe if they get those subs on that play goes a little bit differently. Yeah. I mean, the third goal is one that like, was it is what so was the, were the subs before the second goal or the second goal so the one the one that okay. um Hector Jimenez got got beat down the wing and then um right, I think by, yeah. by Cabral and then uh Jean Kolmanich had a chance to clear it and it went straight into Jovalich um and and he was able to easily poke it poke it home yeah um what, what I was going to say is like we could have used fresh fullbacks on that play <laughs> exactly yeah so i think that would that i mean that was one that that they were upset about again Joshua Fair adamant that he wasn't making that the excuse but is the reason he brought it up in the press conference right it was it was a moment that that sort of they were sore about after the match yeah so let's run back and talk about some of uh some of those goals so you already mentioned the penalty there so that was Austin's first uh I guess second chance and then they get a third chance at life whenever Chicharito's goal is disallowed and I Ruben Gabrielson should have learned that you shouldn't take your eyes off of Chicharito when he's in the box um luckily the ball hits his hand and that one gets disallowed Fagundes scores that goal and I want to talk about Owen Wolf in this moment you kind of hinted at it earlier but I think I can't remember who plays a long ball but there's a long ball Owen takes it well out of the air drives into the box and maybe got fouled in the box. Um, that ball gets cleared and ends up turning into the the sequence that turned into the Dio Fagundes goal. But Owen Wolf was also involved there. Hector Jimenez breaks a line to find Owen going into the box. He kind of misjudges the ball and doesn't catch. Like he's trying to catch it on a half turn and doesn't slow the ball down enough. And that's why he has to end up making that slide tackle. But he wins the slide tackle pops up, just cuts it back. Maybe they're trying to hit it to ring or just blind hitting it back to the, the penalty spot. Diego is able to get onto it. And then kind of like we saw with that goal against uh, LAFC last week, Diego kind of uses just hesitation and the movement of a teammate to open up some space for him and then takes advantage of it and just pokes it in to the top corner there above Jonathan Bond. Um, but Owen Wolf, like you were saying, the physicality. I, I mentioned this in a show a couple of weeks ago that he's he's a good athlete and like physically does not look out of place among these grown men. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, again, I had a chance to talk to, to talk to him and, and we talked about that play after the match and, you know, it was just a classic, uh, you know, just effort play. Uh, but you know, one, one thing he said, you know, about that, that touch that you mentioned, you know, he did, he had a tough touch and he also didn't see Derek Williams coming. So he sort of, you know, gets his pocket picked, but immediately like makes a nice slide tackle gets pops right back up at the ground. So he was actually on the ground twice on this play. Uh, and ends up being able to pick out, uh, you know, a really nice assist too. I think that's the part that maybe, uh, you know, I haven't talked enough about. It's just how good that ball was to drag it back and find Diego across the box. And then the little run run Alex Ring makes behind Diego to sort of clear up, you know, to get one of those defenders to back off enough for him to, to place that shot. It was, it was a really nice goal and, and really well worked, but it's all, it's all that effort from Owen Wolf on the, on the right wing that, that makes that play possible. So then after that, I said the subs come in, right? The LA subs and LA makes a formation change. And I guess, and then it all goes all to hell, right? Which we've, we're all going to agree <laughs> on. But like, how much of that do you think? Because how much of that do you think is formation? How much do you think that is like fresh blood or depth? Or like, I mean, did the tactics of that matter as much as it was just getting like fresh quality players on the field? Or how do you feel like what yeah, went more wrong? Here's a quote from Brad Stuver that I think um, I'm learning to talk to Brad Stuver after almost every single game because he's able to like in, in one paragraph completely sum up exactly what happened in the match much better than, than I'm able to, which I don't know if that's a statement on, on my writing ability or, or just Brad Stuver's brain, but one or the other. Uh, here's the quote from him. So quote, they were letting us have the ball to a certain extent. They were letting Ruben and Julio bring the ball up a little bit, and they were taking away Danny Pereira. When that happens, we have to find ways to break them down. You see a lot of rotation with Jerusi, Diego, Owen, and Ring. It's a chess game. We didn't do ourselves any favors when we gave the ball up in those scenarios, end quote. So what he's basically saying there is that, like, LA Galaxy, you know, tactically did a really good job of sort of letting Austin have the ball but not letting them have dangerous moments and then creating dangerous moments of their own by sort of frustrating Austin and, and putting them in bad spots. And then all of a sudden when the ball turns over, it's sort of 2021 Austin where they're out of position and it maybe makes those fullbacks look maybe just a touch worse than they even, you know, than, than they were. I know John Kolmanich has, has gotten kind of the brunt of this one. And, you know, he had a couple of plays where he certainly looked silly, but he also wasn't done any favors with where the ball got turned over and, and how, you know, LA galaxy was able to, to break with, you know, guys like Jovalich and, Efrain Alvarez and Kevin Cabral, uh, like those guys just had a field day and, and that's what they're good at to begin with. And when you give them opportunities to break against number or break with numbers, uh, you're not going to win that game. And something like, you know, Greg Vanny and, and Josh Wolf, I think is a fascinating tactical matchup every time they play. I don't know, Landon, what you've thought. Uh, I think that the game that, that was at Q2 last year was one of my favorite tactical games of the, of the year last year. And this one, again, it just felt like, you know, if you're really into the nerdy side of the tactics, you can sort of watch this match and, and see what, you know, what both teams are sort of trying to, to do, even even when it doesn't come off, just like the amoeba and the, the way that, you know, they're both trying to sort of create space when they have the ball and take away space when they don't. Um, I think that's that was really fun to watch. And, and I thought that was a really good way of Stuver to sort of sum up what decided this one, which is that LA Galaxy kind of won the tactical battle. You mentioned that midfield rotation. So I think one of the first times we saw that feature prominently was in the Houston game where they were marking Danny really closely at the six there. 
And so uh, around the hydration break, Danny would start to like drift out wide and Drusi would drop into that pocket of space. They were trying that same thing against the Galaxy the other night, but the ga- the Galaxy just weren't following Danny. Like they they mm-hmm. kind of had the middle packed in tight there. And they're like, we don't care who's standing here. Like we're not going to chase Pereira over here. We're going to we'll mark him until he gets out of a danger area. If Drusi pops in, great. He can receive the ball there. We're not going to let him do anything with it once he gets it. And so it seemed like Austin would try to do that, but would either not be able to do anything with it or turn the ball over whenever it got into those those areas. So, um, I yeah, I mean, it's like it's a great tactic if Austin doesn't do anything with it, and they didn't. And so I, I think point goes to Greg Vanny on that one. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. He's also getting his LA look down. He had some sort of a nice, like skinny jeans, tennis shoes, like a sweater look. So like thick rim, when it gets, thick rim when glasses. It, yeah. When it gets cold at night, you know, he's ready to go. He's, he's definitely, he's got the <laughs> LA vibes going. So I give him a point for that one too. Two points to Greg Benny in this, in this match. I wanted to point out a moment in the third, no wait, the second goal. Um, this is Jovalich's first goal. Uh, this is Jovalich's first goal, and this is the one you mentioned when Cabral roasts Hector Jimenez up the side. He plays a cross, and it's pretty well covered, but Kolmanich is kind of running towards the goal mouth and gets there, beats, I can't remember who's on his back, maybe Chicharito, but he gets there and wins the ball, but he's so left-footed mm. that instead of just booting it out with his right foot, like he could have either kicked it really long to the to the inline or if he didn't think he could get that power just kick it in behind the goal there but instead he tries to open up his body and kick it with his left foot and just kind of scuffs it and it hits Jovalich in the chest and he's it falls just, to his foot and he, he finishes has beautiful it, assist but, I, I, was yeah. like, I, I can't believe he didn't get one on there I mean he like laid it right in his path but like I've always noticed that Jean is very left-footed, but it's a really good left foot, so he makes it work for the most part. But I think there was earlier this year, maybe, or late last year, there was a time when a ball fell to him in the box, and if he hits it with his right foot, it's pretty easy shot on goal from four or five yards out, and he tries to turn and hit it with his left foot and doesn't even get it on target. And this is another one of those moments where just – Swing your right foot at it, get it somewhere else. And instead, he's like, oh, I'm not comfortable. I'm going to turn my body and try to get it on my left foot. And it turns into this easy goal, this stupid, stupid goal that happens. I mean, if he had a right foot as good as his left, his left foot, he'd be playing in the Premier League, right? Like, instead of yeah. he's, he's a U22 signing for in MLS. So, like, <laughs> it just kind of, it's just, it's, yes, I mean, it's, it's a weakness and it, it needs to be uh, corrected, but it sort of reminds you of, of the level sometimes, I guess I, I watched uh, LAFC even on, on Saturday night, I, you know, I had a chance to, I got in LA early and I watched that game in person and there's just some shambolic defending sometimes in this league that just, <laughs> <it> just happens, <laughs> you know, it makes for exciting, uh, exciting games and comebacks, but it can be pretty frustrating when you're on the other end of it. Okay. We are uh, running short on time. Let's jump into maybe, I, I guess any other player performances we want to discuss. Um, I feel like Alex Ring made quite a few errors. Driussi seemed to struggle to really make an impact on the game. Is there anybody else that you wanted to point out, Chris or Jeremiah? 
Oh, but just a little more Alex Rain. Again, this will be in the piece that'll go up uh, later this week, you know, sort of on, you know, a bit of what he's dealing with personally, but also like on the field, I wanted to ask him about his position. And I, I hadn't heard him say this before, but he sort of sees it as he's playing two, two positions at once. And I sort of got him to elaborate a little bit on that. And, you know, he's sort of doing both of those roles of the six and the eight that we're kind of debating which one he's better at. He's sort of trying to do them both at the same time. Um, and I think that that's kind of an interesting way to put that in an interesting admission from like the, the plan at the beginning of the year and how good things looked against Cincinnati, Miami. He was like, yeah, like teams were going to clamp down on us clearly. Um, and we've got to figure out, and I've got to be better at finishing my chances when I get them. He, you know, as critical as everybody else is on Alex ring, I think that he's a very self-critical person. And so he's a, not only is he aware of the criticism, but he's probably, you know, getting it just as bad, if not worse from himself sometimes. So uh, I think that's an interesting aspect that, you know, kind of a peek into Alex Ring's brain that you can look forward to. But uh, something I wanted to bring up, you know, as we kind of, this was another game when the moment that stands out to me, and I, I tweeted it in the moment, I, was, I think it was right before halftime, is he gets the ball on the left side and sort of, you know, does that thing where he sort of like, sees all of the pieces falling in place and plays the exact right ball to Maxi Aruti leads, leads, leads to a shot on goal. And um, then the, the rebound comes right to Alex ring and he, he sort of blows the header over the, over the crossbar. And which part of that play yeah. do you remember from Alex ring? You obviously are going to remember the miss, the miss shot, but like the fact is that he did everything right on that play and set up the striker for a shot on goal that was pretty open and, you know, probably maybe the best XG chance of the game for Austin FC. And so I think that just sort of illustrates that like Alex ring is doing a lot of good things. He's doing some things, not so good, but if there were other players on the field that were maybe producing a little bit more in those attacking positions, I think Alex ring, you'd be looking at it as sort of more of a hero than a villain in, in this side. Yeah. I, I, I've been a defender of Alex ring as well because I do think he does a lot of stuff really well that like you said like people don't necessarily notice or remember um I don't know that that was necessarily true in a big chunks of this game you mentioned a moment he definitely did do well in that one but there are other moments where mm -hmm. he would receive the ball turn and then play it straight to a defender or kind of do that like receive on the half turn and just let the ball go past him and I feel like he was doing that more often than he normally does in this game um but you're right. Like he does a lot of stuff that that people don't see. I think. So the only what one? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was, I was just. I want to talk about depth because I feel like that was the like mm. again the big difference here, right? Is we've talked about how Austin has enough depth to like have guys get on the field and not screw things up. But if you're chasing a match, there's not a game changer on the bench, as opposed to like Jovicic. What is it? Four came in and I think he was like, yeah, he four, like yeah. he scored two and assisted two or scored one. It sounds like. A, he was like 30 minutes of play and was involved in four goals, you know, which is apparently the first time it's ever happened in the history of the league. But I think that's a very important difference between Austin and some other clubs um, is like our best guys have to be on. Yeah. So, and Efrain, Efrain Alvarez came on at halftime too and made a big difference. So like, you know, both the guys that sort of ended up swinging this thing other than Chicharito who had like, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. He finally, you know, you can't give Chicharito that many chances, but he also had quite a bit of help off the bench that Austin FC just just didn't didn't have the same thing. You're you're absolutely right, Jeremiah. And I think that's something that you know I asked Josh Wolf after the game about maybe addressing some stuff during this during the summer window. And um, 
I think there's 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 a few different areas where they could look. You know, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah, I'm. I think so too. I don't know if we have time to get into it right on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, we've got uh, plenty of time. We got three weeks without games. So yeah, yeah, definitely. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking a lot about that. But let's look at so the league position now. I know it's easy for Austin fans to feel disappointed after kind of the the poor stretch of form over the last few weeks. But Austin's sitting fourth in the West right now, 24 points. They're five points behind first place. If you would have offered that to Austin FC fans in preseason, they would have bitten your hand off, right? Like, I think, like, everyone would have been thrilled with fourth. I think because we started so hot, like, it feels disappointing. And because we've had all these, like, several poor games in a row that it feels disappointing. But um, it, they're actually still in pretty good position. Yeah, I think I would agree with that, but I think our faith in uh, us capitalizing on the position is dipped a bit, you know, because <laughs> yeah. we're limping into fourth right now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I mean, Jeremiah, I think, is taking me up on my suggestion to just, you know, blast the Miley Cyrus through this break, you know, <laughs> get through it. Um, and, you know, I was actually on my way to LAX when I tweeted that too, so like... Maybe I, there was just some Miley Cyrus vibes coming, coming my way. <laughs> oh gosh, right. you're gonna are we get are we gonna sing "Party in the USA" together to send us out of this uh, one? Because like, yeah, not on this podcast. Maybe like in a drunken bar somewhere. That's there's no hot mic around me, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can make that happen at some point. Point, Jeremiah. Well, if you listening <laughs> would like to help Chris Bills party all around the USA covering Austin FC for the Striker Texas, please subscribe. Uh, I think there's a few different promos going on. I don't is our does our promo code still work, Jeremiah? I think so. I think it okay. does. I think it's Moon Tower Capital M twenty two. Yep. Moon Tower twenty two with a capital M. You can get a discount on a striker striker Texas subscription. But it's if if you're listening to this show and not subscribing to the Striker Texas, like I don't know what you're doing. It, it's the best coverage you're gonna find. We're very lucky lucky to have it. We're very lucky to have Chris, and we're very thankful that you are able to join us today, Chris. Thank you. It's always my favorite part of every show, so I'm glad I can sign off on on that note. And uh, no, <laughs> I appreciate you guys uh, so much. And you know, if you're not aware, Linda and Jeremiah, like obviously you guys do a great job on your own. You don't need our help, but. Uh, it's it's just a joy and a pleasure to have you guys as part of the Striker Texas network and, and being able to share your content on, on a weekly basis, I think makes the, the site feel so much more whole when it comes to Austin City coverage. So thanks for all you guys do. And uh, thanks for letting me jump in here and uh, wreck your, uh, your, your time limits like I do every time I come on. <laughs> I think you still have our, our longest episode ever. I do. I, I don't was, talk this was, much it, any other time, but uh, you get me on Moon Tower and I'm just going to go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Chris. Listeners, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with an interview with Trevor Blow, who you might know better as the father of Poyo FC. Right, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. It will be a while until it happens, but we are doing another ticket giveaway. Thanks to Sage Wilson for the next home match. To enter, go to MoontowerSoccer.com, click on free ticket giveaway in the top navigation bar, or you can click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Again, this is made possible by Sage Wilson Property Group. So if you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, you should talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. 
And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fvf.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. All right, we are joined by Trevor Blow, better known as the father and creator of Poyo FC. Trevor, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. This is uh, this is awesome. So most people are familiar with with Poyo the chicken. He's everywhere now. All of the the both fan created social media and now leaking into club created social media and events and and promotions. Uh, we'll get to Poyo here in a second, but first, just tell us who is Trevor. Uh, we, we've gotten to we've gotten to hang out at, at some like pre watch party games and stuff and hang out and chat a little bit, but. Uh, I don't really know that much about you as a person. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, originally born in San Diego. Uh, my whole family's from Texas. They just decided to just uproot and move somewhere else for a little while and then ended up having me and then moved back here in about first grade. And um, I've always been a huge sports guy. was never a soccer fan. I actually was a very avid anti-soccer guy. <laughs> I didn't really fully get it. I thought it was just kind of goofy the way the time clock worked, the the flopping, just all of the the normal criticisms you hear. I just thought it was kind of kind of odd. But grew up a huge football, baseball fan, and then um, my next door neighbor is a giant soccer fan, Jesse. You've probably seen me with him at pretty much every game, and he um, convinced me into getting a season ticket with him. And I was like, all right, yeah, let's give this a shot. And then um, yeah, ended up really loving it. But before that, I'm just football, baseball guy that's just starting to learn this culture. I still ask really dumb questions a lot of the time. I go to the game, so I'm like, wait, what? Why? What? What are we doing? <laughs> so so I want to ask about the birth of polio because I didn't know this until reading Phil's article on the striker, but I'd assume that, it, that he had kind of always been there um, from the so, beginning, but actually not, not, not at the first match or there was some point during the first year where he sort of got the idea. Yeah, so it was pretty early on, but I mean, at the very first game, watching that giant, amazing TIFO get raised, I was just in awe. I'm like, wow, what is this? What is this? Like, this is really cool. I was looking at the ropes before it was pulled up, and I'm like, all right, that must mean something. I don't know what's about to happen. And then it comes up, and I'm like, holy crap. So it was like game one, I'm just taking it in. Game two, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get a little more comfortable. This is really neat. Game three, I'm starting to get kind of drunk and excited. And I'm like, I think it'd be kind of cool to bring like a big rubber chicken. I feel like that's super Austin. I feel like that would be just a lot of fun. And then game four, I'm just like, well, I don't know, maybe. And I like Amazon looked it up and I'm like, that's expensive as crap. I don't know if I really want to buy that. It's like $100. Uh, maybe I'll wait. And so I'm just getting there, like talking to my wife, talking to Jesse. I'm like, I don't know, man. And finally, they're just like, dude, just do it just get it. And I'm like, all right, we'll screw it. Let's, let's do it. And, um, August 20th, whichever game that was, I don't know if it was Vancouver or something around that, but, uh, it's when Poya was born. So as we get to that game again this year, it's going to be, I think against, uh, Minnesota, it's going to be Poyo's first birthday. And so those, most of the people listening to this will know this, but Poyo has a, an Austin FC Jersey painted on him. You painted that yourself, right? I did. So he came green and oh, Verde, sorry. 
Slack about to <laughs> catch me. Um, so he came Verde. He had red feet, red bow tie, red mohawk. And so I decided, all right, let's just go black mohawk, black feet, black bow tie, and then primary kit. And um, he was number one before Stuver because it's the easiest number to paint. <laughs> there was rumors that Stuver was going to switch numbers. And I was like, oh, man. He switched numbers. Should I make Boyo 41? That would be kind of fun. But then like, <laughs> a little bit harder to paint. So I just kind of got lazy and stuck with the one. So I'm like, so, all right, Uber's a fan, I guess. It seems like early on, it was just kind of like the social media for Pollo was uh-huh. a lot of fans holding the chicken. And then as as he grew in notoriety, then so did the people holding him in the Instagram posts. So there's all kinds of celebrities in your Instagram feed now. Who is who is like the, your favorite uh, your favorite cameo on the Instagram feed or like the one that you are most in awe of? So I haven't posted it yet. Probably the McConaughey photo that was absolute peak. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> or that was probably Vince Young. He just walked by the Capo booth and I just threw it to him I'm like Vince. He kind of looked at it like, "What is this?" I was like, "It's cool, man. Here, take some photos." <laughs> <laughs> It's cool, man. I was that was I wanted to ask like do, do does anybody ever question it or like I don't like I don't know what this is, so I don't want to take a picture with it, or is everybody usually pretty cool? Some people are very standoffish, they end up still taking the photo. Mark Henry is the only one that's been like, No, man, I don't know what that is. And he like when he <laughs> like crosses his arms, it's like, no. I'm like, all right, well I'm not gonna put that in. Everyone else is just kind of like, uh I guess. They're kind of like having to explain it as you go. Like, it's like a quick and passing kind of like really quick, like, hey, man, it's cool. He's a supporter of chicken, like supporters sections chicken. That's a tongue twister. Uh, <laughs> and he's cool, man. And then you usually have people behind me at that point just kind of chanting like, boy, yo, boy. They pick up on that. Okay, this is something. It's not just some random thing you're handing me. But it, yeah, just, it's a thing. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Was there a moment when you realized like this is going to be a bigger deal than than maybe you thought originally? After he kept just being loved and the the feeling you get from people after just like week two, week three, week four, and it just kept just being a thing. I didn't think he would be around more than like a game. So as he kept just being appreciated it gave me an appreciation and it was very much like, I think this is a thing. I think we, he's like here for a while. People really resonate with this rubber chicken. That's, it's awesome. Like it actually was seen the way I thought it would be cool. Not all ideas turn out that way. And he was the star of the schedule release video too. Was that on purpose? Maybe from the team's perspective, but not for me. I just got a Gabby just reached out to me on Slack and said, Hey, are you going to this uh, shooting at uh, uh, Hotel Vegas? I'm like, yeah. Okay. Well, if you could get there early, I think, uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. I'm like, okay, cool. So got there like three hours before everybody signed our waiver, walked in. And as soon as I walk in, they're like, Yank. Okay. Thank you. And they just took him from me. <laughs> at the corner just hanging out with Rigo and I'm like all right well I don't know what's going on and we're just kind of like oh it's cool but you hear him in the distance like getting squeaked as he gets in the photo booth with Black Joe Lewis you hear him just like everyone's having a great time laughing and then you hear him just like oh uh, like oh man treat my son good <laughs> <laughs> being the parent of like a star child I guess it's it kinda... like his first time away at summer camp and he's yeah. like, making friends and having fun without dad for the first time yeah it made me proud and nervous all at once. I'm like, okay, this is what parenthood is. 
So he became even more legendary and like the lore grew even more this year on the away trip to DC. Can you briefly tell us that whole story? Briefly, I will try. Uh, (laughs) So he came in. I mean, he's been to everything before that. And then at the gate, as we're walking in, I I just threw him to Alfredo. And I'm like, hey, I think you guys would like to walk in with them. I think it'd be fun. So they're going through the checkpoint. We're watching them. And then the security essentially was like, no, what is this? And I took it from him. And he's like, uh, it's fine. Everyone's explaining it. We're all watching it. Like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's Poyo. Kind of similar to like photos. Everyone's like, oh, it's Poyo. Poyo. Like, everybody's yelling. They're just like, no, I don't know. Getting on their walkie talkies. I'm like, oh, no, this is starting to get kind of scary. What's about to happen? Um, Time drags on, and then eventually they just like he just disappears, and then I'm just still standing there. Everyone's in the stadium at that point. I'm just sitting there waiting. I'm like, can I get an answer? What's happening? I hear chants of Pollo Libre in the distance. <laughs> I hear like just all sorts of just chatter. Everybody then moves up to their seat because at a certain point you have to just give up on the cause. But me, I'm stubborn. There's no way I'm just gonna give up on it. I'm just gonna stand there and wait. Uh, they eventually came back and were like, are you still here? I'm like, well, yeah, you just took my like kid from me. What do you mean? Am I still here? Where, like, where is Pollo? They're like, oh, this guy, I guess. Okay. Well, come with me. So we went to the regular security desk. He's like laying upside down on the desk, like just disrespectful corner, complete disrespect. So I've had just enough drinks and they need to be like argumentative and like, just kind of like having fun with it. So I'm like, guys, I don't know if you know this, but he's like kind of our thing. Like he's not going to be thrown. We're all going to just love him and appreciate him. He just needs to be in the game. Nothing's going to happen. He just, he needs to see it. I can't, I can't have him over here with you guys in the wrong colors, looking at a tiny screen. He needs to at least get some game action with us. Or can I take him to the car? And I had this plan of like, okay, we're going to smuggle him in. We're going to throw him over. We've already been kind of like working it out. And we're like, okay, I think we can happen. And so it took it took some finagling of me just back and forth, just being very stubborn. And eventually Alfredo comes back. Rachel comes over and they're just like, hey, man, what's going on? And I'm like, I just, I need some some clarification of what's going to happen. Am I getting him back to the game? Is he just gone forever? Can you guys put him like on a, like a wand or a scanner or something to like check him? Because he's not an inflatable. I guess you're just assuming that he's like an explosive or something. I don't know what the issue is. And so eventually the main security guy was like, okay, well, I'm coming back to your section at the 80th minute. Would it work if I just bring him back to the 80th minute? And I was like, ah, uh, I guess. I guess that works. As long as he gets some time, that would be cool. And so I gave him like a big hug and I'm like, please. I just like grabbed him by the shoulders and just stared into his eyes. I'm like, promise me. Promise <laughs> me. Don't just tell me this to get me to go to my seat. I need him there. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. He's kind of laughing like this guy. What is this? Austin people are crazy. <laughs> Give me your word. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I don't know you from anybody. Like, you're just kind of being nice. Like, I don't know if that's real. And so when he comes back up, I like giddily just ran down this section. And that that stadium is high. That arc is like, it's dangerously like you're looking down to the ground. So I'm like running down to get him. Like, all right. And I like gave him the biggest bear hug and like, thanks, man. Thanks for honoring your word. And then just boom, the momentum changed. 
the whole crowd felt that it was well at least our crowd of the whole crowd, the whole crowd <laughs> felt it but in a different way for us at least we were like okay something's happening the the, the heavens are aligning easter weekend is changing <laughs> so for those who don't know the rest of that story austin comes back and wins down three goals Down in the last 10 minutes, right? 2-0, yeah. and after all three goals scored after Poyo was up in the stands. The first one was like 30 seconds after he was released. <laughs> I wasn't even settling That's in my amazing. seat. We were still celebrating just Poyo being back, and then all of a sudden we start just <laughs> punching him in. And then watching the game back when I got home, like, oh, wow, that is like momentum changed. The team knew. <laughs> So you've also been able to do a lot of good with Poyo in the community. So talk about the kind of the charitable component of the whole Poyo project. People were asking for like stickers and shirts and hats because it was just kind of just, it was goofy. It wasn't supposed to be like a thing, but people were really relating to it. I'm like, all right, well, I don't really want to like just make money from it. That's not what I'm trying to do. So if you guys want to buy stuff, cool let's attach something to it so i'm a huge animal lover um nothing really speaks to me like fostered animals dogs and cats that need homes it's just i don't know it's a whole other level i wish there wasn't so many in the shelter so i kind of cool to cue the dogs <laughs> you hear my dog barking in the background he he is a a, a rescue from a from a foster actually so there amazing you go. cool <laughs> So it was, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a natural progression since the club partners with APA. It just seemed kind of cool to put APA branded with Poyo. Um, I did it without even asking them. I just was like, well, I don't think you guys would be mad if I just started donating money to you. Um, after the first donation, I got a call saying thanks and then kind of explained what was happening. And they were very into it. Then I got another couple numbers of some like contacts. So I had like a connection with APA at that point. And then they uh, told them, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to try to get y'all to 10,000. They're just like, okay, cool, cool. I don't know if that'll happen. They're under their breath. And I was like, well, maybe we can try. <laughs> Luckily, when you donate with them, it's cool because they'll do double matches and triple matches sometimes. So a thousand bucks can become $3,000, which is really cool. So how far have you gotten? to your $10,000 goal or do you know I'm about well so there's another one about to happen that's going to be around 1300 so on top of the existing donations we're going to be at about 6500 I haven't seen yet if we're doing a double or a triple on that match and then there was just a Diego jersey raffle that I did for the Williamson County Animal Shelter that netted another 12 or 1300 bucks which is really, really cool. And I'm still waiting for Diego to give me that jersey. <clears throat> Diego. <laughs> um, well, but, we're hoping to have him on soon. So if you don't have it yet, we'll we'll give him a hard time about it then. In the works. I'm, I've talked to him. Every time I send him a message, he'll like just like it. And I'm like, the, 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 <laughs> we were all together on this. Now all of a sudden, when it comes to paying the debt, you're like, okay, like. <laughs> it's time to pay the piper. <laughs> but I... No, he's cool. He'll uh, he'll pay. <laughs> no worries. Kidding. All right. Well, Trevor, thanks for joining us, man. Where can where can folks find you and Poyo FC, and where can they buy merch if they want to help out the cause? So it's kind of a, a weird URL because I just have like a free website. I'm not I'm kind of cheap. I don't want to pay for it. I'd rather all the money go to a donation. So if you just go to Instagram, 
or Twitter. The link is up at the top and it links to the store. You can buy stickers and shirts and there's there's stuff that comes out all the time. There's there's goofy stuff, there's cool stuff, there's try to hit everybody's everybody's like. So check it out. I've got I've got my Adler Mayor Adler hot dog yes. pin right here. Yeah. Uh but that's that's at poyo.fc on Instagram. Uh yep. great content. And then also you can find the link to all of that great merch. Look out for Poyo in the stands near you. And then uh, if you can help out the cause and, and buy some merch, give some money to Austin Pets Alive. Uh, give give us one big honk to end the interview. I was about to grab him. I'm like, I'm sure he wants to make at least some sort of a cameo. <laughs> it's, it never it never doesn't make me laugh. It's just every it's time always I joyful. Hear it. It's so funny. Okay, Trevor, thanks so much. This has been great. I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one. I ain't got no time to let you pass. I only got one life, and it's gone too fast. So All right, we are back. We want to thank Trevor one more time for joining us and sharing the story, and also thank him for just bringing the joy that is Poyo FC into our lives. He He's a joy, and we've said this on the show many times, that it's one of our favorite things, that just like silly fan lore that has popped up. And so, yeah, we, we love Poyo for sure. All right, we're going to get into some Patreon questions now. Um, we have a few. We'll get through a few today. We're also going to do some more next week. We'll have a bit more time to dive into some of them. But we did promise one that we'll get to last week. But first, we're going to start with one from Cindy Cottom, who happens to be my mother. Jeremiah, do you want to read this one? You just ra- random listener who happens to share your last name. <laughs> Absolutely. I need to know, should I be more proud that Landon stood up for his teammate or that he lost his mind and got a yellow card? And should Jeremiah's mom be more proud that he finished a Spartan race or that he actually did 150 burpees? So, I don't know. Should we answer for each other? Uh, yeah, I think so. So okay. I think I think your mother would should be more proud that you did the burpees because it shows that you're um, you're very obedient and do as you're told. <laughs> Which is gosh, if my mom heard that, she would be so confused by that statement. <laughs> I, I, apparently, in certain situations, I, serve, I respect certain kinds of authority. Um, in other situations, I ignore them. Okay. Um, and is my mom allowed to be proud of me that I got a yellow card because I stood I don't, up for my I was, teammate? I was wondering about the phrasing of the, the your part of it. So I'm just going to go say that your mom should be proud of you for many reasons. And your parents are wonderful people, and I'm happy to have met them many times. But definitely that you stood up for your teammate. And, you know, if you got a yellow card, it didn't matter. Your heart was in the right place. You, do, you were doing the right thing. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next question. Which uh, which one were you going to do next here, Jeremiah? We were going to do this question from Daniel Williams, which is okay. realistically, what is Owen Wolf's ceiling and how long we will see him start? And this question came in a couple weeks ago, and it might have been more speculative then than it is now. I feel like we've seen a lot out of Owen Wolf. Yeah, so I I feel like Owen is getting a lot of love right now, and understandably so and like deservedly so but also i almost think we should like pump the brakes a little bit on it because he's been good he's come in and like i I, like i think after that second start i said like 
halfway through the game, like Owen Wolf is our best right winger right now. Like he's the starter until he has a bad match. He should start every game. I also think that like people are maybe overblowing how good he's playing a little bit. He's playing very good for a 17 year old in the situation. But if it was the same performance from a 27 year old, I think it would be like, yeah, he was pretty good. Like he did a good job. Do you do you disagree with that? Am I being too hard on him? No, I don't think you are. I think it's we have to remember the situation, right? He should be our third right wing option, right? We have a designated player who's suspended and may never play for the team again. We had Ethan Finley, who we all had, I think, expected a lot more from that we've got. And now we have Owen Wall. So it's one of the things where, yeah, he's doing well for the situation he's in, but we should not be in a position to... To this, we shouldn't be here, you know? So, like, given where yeah. we are, he's doing a good job, but it's sort of telling on sort of the way things have gone over the last several matches that we're, we're here where we are. Uh, so, back to the question, what is his ceiling and how long we see him start? I think the second question, like, we see him start until he has a bad game or until, like, Ethan Finley comes in and stu- scores two off the bench again. Um, but what, what do you think Owen Wolf's ceiling is? I mean, long term, I think he's he's got a ton of potential. He could, I, mean, I think, given like his just physical maturity, his ball skills, his smarts, the stuff he's been able to do when he's twenty one, he's probably going to be a great player. Like, I, I, the sky's the limit for him. I just think it's a pushing him a bit to have that happen now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's hard to tell with with kids this young. Like, I think at the very least, he'll be like a good MLS player. But he's he's super young. He could make a European move. I think it's also worth mentioning that he's not really a right winger. Like he's played more of like an eight for the youth teams that he's played on. Uh, and the, the games that I've seen him for the the academy team, he's played more of kind of the role that like Alex Ring is playing for the first team. And so it's you don't necessarily want to throw a 17 year old into central midfield because it's the hardest position on the pitch. Uh, so I understand why like putting them on a wide position is kind of a, an easier way to, to, to introduce them to the game. But um, I, I think his, I, I don't know what his ceiling is, but his floor is high. Like he's going to be good. I don't, how good he is. Like it's impossible to tell with 17 year olds, but his, he's going to be a pro and he's going to, if he can stay healthy, he'll have a long, lucrative career playing soccer. <laughs> All right. And the last question that we teased last week and had to do some research for. This comes from ATX Burkamp Lover 696420. <laughs> I didn't notice that until just now. It's a great username. Uh, the question was, if you had to assemble a first 11 of active soccer players from any league for an Ocean's 11-style heist, who would you pick and why? Okay, so Jeremiah and I kind of split this up. We don't know who each other picked, and we don't really know what criteria each of us used either. So uh, you told me you were kind of using Ocean's 11 as a template, right? So what, yes. what was your what was your method here? Yeah, so my method was thinking back on the because there's multiple oceans. Well, there's two versions of Ocean's Eleven, but on the George Clooney version, which is, I think the first movie I ever owned in DVD, and so it's like one of my favorite movies to ever see. I tried to assign players based upon the role that they would have played in Ocean's Eleven, 
It's like the one that corresponds to the characters. So that's that's where I, that's where I went with on, on my eleven. How did you decide? I stole your idea, but then I looked up. Um, I started doing some googling just for like ideas of of what these roles are, like descriptions of the roles, and I found a website called like TVTropes.com or something. And it has all the tropes defined, but then had those tropes then applied to various movies, and they had an Ocean's Eleven page. And so I'll be using that as a reference for some of mine. <laughs> so how many we're going to end up with here? We originally talked about um, splitting up and each having six, but I, I have nine, including one that oh, wasn't wow. in Ocean's Eleven. So we'll just see where this goes. I picked six, so you start okay. and give us give us a couple. Okay, I'll start. Okay, so there's the two so the two main characters in real life are George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Um, and one is the mastermind. So Clooney is the mastermind of the whole operation, but ultimately like just a distraction away from like what's going on in the pitch. And so I made that Gareth Bale. <laughs> uh, then actually then, so then Brad Pitt has to be the coordinator is the guy that makes all the things happen. And so Kevin De Bruyne is my choice for the mastermind coordinator of the oceans 11 heist. Okay. I'll chime in here. Cause I have, uh, the same player, but I, I picked De Bruyne as my, like my safe cracker. Because he like sees things that nobody else can see and does things that nobody else can does and gets access to spaces that nobody else can get access to. So I picked him in that role. But in, either way, De Bruyne's on the team. For sure. For sure. Yeah, from among the world, I think he's he was an easy pick. Um, I guess I'll go to the next one too. So these two guys, these two guys are brothers. And they are like the hard running guys and they're the muscle. And I feel like... Diego and Yimmy Chara have to be oh, yes. those two guys. <laughs> so that, that, those, that, that was my next pick. And I didn't go look at the numbers, but I think just in terms of like when you think about MLS muscle guys, like Diego and Yimmy have to be those two. Yeah, Diego especially. But whenever he's standing next, whenever Jimmy's standing next to Diego, he's automatically twice as tough. Um, okay, so I have my con man was one of the tropes. And so this is a person who's, manipulating other people with his actions might also, so this is going to be, I can't remember the guy's maybe Sal is his name in oceans 11, but he's an older guy that does like costumes and like acting and things like that. Um, I chose, Oh, and then he also the, in the movie, he fakes a heart attack at one point, I believe, or maybe he has a real heart attack. I can't remember. <laughs> I think, I think it's a fake one. Yeah. So for this role, I chose Sergio Busquets because Sergio <laughs> Busquets is a player who is always manipulating the field with slight movements that maybe you don't even recognize. Little passes, little uh, just like changing the the angle of his hips to open it up and play a pass to a guy you didn't even know was open. But also he's like known to do a strategic dive, fake an injury here and there to to change the pace of a game. So Busquets is my con man. All right, my next guy, um, I don't remember who played this. I think maybe it was Don Cheadle in the movie. It was like the hacker, like the computer guy, the, the guy that takes the system down for the, yeah. the, in order to and let the heist to happen. So I did a lot of stupid research into who might be <laughs> like the players most likely did. Apparently, Robert Lewandowski is a huge like investor in tech startups. So I'm assuming that if everybody okay. in... Of everybody in world soccer, he's going to be the person that's like most likely to know how to p- take down a power grid using just the power of his computer. All right. Um, I I also had a mastermind. I did. I'm gonna be honest here. I I'm doing like writing a bit of what I know and picking some Austin FC players. But for my mastermind, I put Drew C in. I like it. I like it. It's my, my, the thing I got closest to after watching the LA Galaxy match. Um, 
I'm picking Austin FC player was like the mastermind that ultimately ended up being a distraction. I was going to put Danny because he was the mastermind and now he gets taken out of the game. And apparently we don't know how to like how to deal with that. So that was, that was the one I almost got. Um, and then I guess the last one I have in terms of being in the 11, uh, there was a guy physically, this player does not represent him at all, but there was like a, a little guy who was like, who was a burglar and he was really acrobatic. And I feel like the most acrobatic goal scorer I've ever seen is Latan Ibrahimovic. So I would put him <laughs> as, as my burglar um, and my acrobat on my Ocean's 11. Zlatan's not going to fit in that little box He's that they not. pushed into the safe, but he could still do the acrobatic bits. Okay, I have three more players on my list here. For my uh, coordinator organizer, this is the Brad Pitt role. Um, I went with someone who, although my mastermind might be calling the shots, this is the person who kind of organizes, makes sure everything goes off without a hitch on the day. Maybe someone who's a little older, a little wiser. I'm picking Gigi Buffon at 44 years old, still playing in Serie B uh, for Parma. But that guy's organized a lot of defenses. He can organize a heist as well. Um, I also have for my muscle, just like the tough guy, I recently took that trip to Portugal and got to see Porto play. Pepe is still playing. He's still hard as nails. He's still like the guy that... If he's not on your team, you hate him. But if he's on your team, then you love him. And so he's going to be your muscle there to, to kind of protect you and make sure everything goes well. And then for the trope, this trope is the new kid. This is Matt Damon's role in the first movie. Uh, he's the new kid in the crew. He's the youngest of the group. He has family in in the racket, like his parents were thieves. So I picked a a player whose dad and brother are both in the game. He's not flashy. He's just keeping his head down, trying to make a name for himself. I'm picking Owen Wolf as my Owen new kid. Wolf. All right. I like it. That's a good choice. And then my, my bonus pick here is, you know, Andy Garcia is like the bad guy in the movie and a guy that's kind of a jerk, seals a girl. Somebody, everybody wants to, you know, like you're like, he should get his canuppance. Like, I don't care if these people are all criminals. Everybody just want to steal from him. I feel like Cristiano Ronaldo be the perfect person <laughs> to play the Andy Garcia role. And then when he got robbed blind, everybody would be so happy to see that. And we would all erupt in applause and throw our popcorn. Yeah. We would do we would like uh yeah, we would throw beer and water in the in 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 this in the seats in this in the arena uh just to see him get his own. All right. Uh, I think that's all the questions we can fit in this week, but we'll be spacing those out over the next couple of shows. No games, no no meaningful games anyway for a while, so we'll have some time to get into those. If you would like to become a Patreon and force us to answer one of your questions on the show, you can go to MoonTowerSoccer.com, find the Patreon link in the top bar there, and join there. We'd also like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Jeremiah, we're going to do another, like, uh promo in honor of having Poyo FC and Trevor on the show. Do you want to explain the rules here? Yes, these rules that we made up just minutes ago, so I'm really excited to share them. But if you leave if you leave a review for the podcast, we will donate $10 to Austin Pets Alive in honor of Trevor and Poyo. And you don't have to like submit any evidence of anything. We know we've seen the last review and we can read dates, so we'll know yeah. where they are going forward. And so even if someone leaves a review and didn't hear this, we're still going to make a donation on that. So you don't need to send us any proof or anything. We'll just, any any review we get, we'll give $10 to Austin Pets Live. We'd also encourage you to visit the Striker Texas website where you can hear 
Uh, so you can read all of Chris's great work along with other great Texas and Austin FC coverage. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Chris Wellhausen will be joining us to take a deep dive about where we stand a third of the way through the season. We'll also talk about uh, the player salaries that came out last week, and then we'll look, take a look at the summer transfer window and see what we might be shopping for. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Think for nothing, you never... La gente... Oh, my God.